0: You're a podcast listener, and this is a podcast ad. Reach great listeners like yourself with podcast advertising from Lips and Ads. Choose from hundreds of top podcasts offering host endorsements, or run a reproduced ad like this one across thousands of shows to reach your target audience with Lips and Ads. Go to lipsandads.com now. That's L I B S Y N ads.com. A moment of business before we get into today's show Surf Splendor is completely free. But you can support the show, and we need your support to help grow the show organically. Do so by sharing the show with a friend. Tell them verbally, send them a link to our website, surfsplendorpodcast.com, or promote it via social media where you can find us, at Surf Splendor. Thanks in advance, and enjoy today's show. Welcome to today's episode of Surf Splendor. I'm your host, David Scales. Today, we're bringing you a Pipe Masters recap episode. The quick details are that Kelly Slater won the contest by defeating John John Florence in the final. It marks Kelly's seventh Pipe Masters win. Mick advanced all the way to the semifinal, and by doing so, secured enough points to win his third world title. Those are the bullet points. I really hope you had a chance to watch the event. Without further ado, here's today's show.
1: Down the line, Swift Talk Radio. Wow, big uh, weekend, or day, I guess I should say. Saturday, right? Big Billabong Pipeline Masters. What a day. Today, by the way, David, is um, the 15th? Sunday, the 15th. Sunday, the 15th, after the Billabong Pipeline Masters, and... um, before we get into that, I do want to um, quickly touch on what we talked about a couple of days ago during our conversation. We started, uh, we touched on the Surfer Poll awards, and um, I'm super curious, dude.
0: <laughs> <laughs> well, I'm, I'm really curious what you got to say about that.
1: Well, what, what happened is somebody on the Surfer Magazine message board posted up something that said Scott Bass out Surfer Poll is being fixed. No way. And so, you know, obviously that's not what I said. Yeah. You know, what I did say was that sometimes there's some occasionally during, let me back up and just say this, that first of all, the surfer pole is not fixed. Um, It's done legitimately. I haven't been in a surfer magazine editorial meeting in seven years or longer. But when I was there, there was an occasion, and this was during the early 2000s, like maybe 2001, 2002, something like that where early on in the internet um people were stuffing the digital ballot box okay and um it got to a point where there was just they were skewing the results to a place that it was stupid like um like just for an example like Randall the kind of goony drunk guy or whatever from Lost would be would be like number 3 you know because <laughs> whoever was stuffing the ballot or like Charles Webster Bear would be like and so what happened One time I was in an editorial meeting with like six or eight of us, and the editor and the publisher went, hey, you know what, we've got to um, talk about this separately. And so the editor and the publisher went into his separate office, sat down and combed through it and made it right so that it was the right results. So the idea that this person yesterday posted this thing about me saying that the surfer pole is fixed isn't right, but there was um, occasions when they had to comb through it to make, and I wasn't there. In fact, I don't know if they made changes or not because yeah. I wasn't in the room when it happened, but I was in edit meetings when they went, oh, man, somebody's stuffing the ballot boxes. This is really lame. You know, nobody wants to see, uh, as an example, you know, Randall from Lost winning a surfer poll award, although right. some people might think that's kind of funny. It's pretty so anyway, funny. So that's well, just setting the, setting the record straight. Yeah. I'm not saying that the surfer poll is fixed. Right. Um, and I think it's it's sort of a it's just the way the internet is these days that somebody hears me say one or two sentences and they try to blow it up into some sort of scandal.
0: Well, well, that's kind of what we're doing with the show in a sense. Like we're really picking you know one sentence that some pro surfer or whatever may have said, and then we're breaking it down and discussing it. So, but we are sitting in a glass house up here too, and yeah, yeah, um, yeah. and throwing stones oftentimes. So you know it's only a matter of time until people start kind of picking apart what we're doing as well. Not even a matter of time. I'm, I mean, it's happened before. Yeah. Yeah. But, um, but yeah, I mean, I, I think that especially when that surfer poll went digital, there probably were ways to manipulate it and to vote multiple times from the same computer and stuff. And obviously now there's probably uh, security in place where they can prevent that from happening you know well
1: you totally nailed it i mean early on it was just like the wild wild west on the internet i mean we didn't have programmers it was guys like me going okay let's just say you know you can vote once and see what happens right and 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 certainly there was occasions where it was abused and um and again this was over you know 10 or 12 years ago right i recall this vaguely happening but um but you know I do know that at one point um, an editor and a publisher went into a room to make sure that, you know, like I say, Randall or Charles Webster Bear or, you know, Joe Blow didn't play second or third in the Surfer Poll Awards because of some skewed digital balloting. You
0: know? Yeah. When I was in high school, you know how in the high school yearbook they have like most popular and best looking and all that. You're most likely to skew at surfer <laughs> pole. <laughs> not quite actually, but um, they did also like the best movie of the year and the best actor of the year and Ron Jeremy won the best actor of the year.
1: <laughs> That's sort of, I'm, I'm sure that Ron Jeremy's gotten some surfer pole votes as well. Probably.
0: So. Yeah. And I'm like, The teachers apparently didn't know who he was, so they just included his name, assuming he was an actor. But I'm shocked (laughs) that the teachers didn't know who he was, you know what I mean? Yeah, exactly. So that was a pretty solid vote.
1: Yeah, so that's the sound of me backpedaling a little bit. Yeah, well... And I'm not backpedaling, I just didn't like... You know, it's just unfortunate that, you know, my name is out in the public sphere saying that the surfer pole is fixed, which is not what I said.
0: Well, of all the things we discussed in the last show... And if we were going to get, you know, nailed to the cross over one of them, I'm glad it was that and not Eddie Rothman, you know? Yeah. (laughs) I'm glad we didn't get a knock on the door in the middle of the night, you know, questioning our stance on uh, the politics of the North Shore. Yeah, exactly. So so no worries, dude. I'm sure everybody's cool with it. Well, the Billabong Pipeline Masters, Holy cow. I
1: mean, I think you and I were kind of Facebooking or texting a little bit back and forth or tweeting or whatever, but... um... You know, this is a dangerous show because it's so easy to say all the things that have already been said in the last eight hours about this, you know, like, I mean, the internet's just flooded with stuff and it's all sort of the same stuff, like, congratulations, great ride. I guess I want to know, first and foremost, your take on the Mick Fanning score um, against Yadin Nickel.
0: I'm still recovering from the day. I mean, let's start out by just saying that was the greatest day of competitive surfing I remember seeing in in recent history. I think that the anticipation build up to the event really helped, you know? Absolutely. Hype it, but um, goodness gracious. Well, it
1: lived up to it, didn't
0: it? Oh my gosh. It lived up to the hype. Beyond what I had anticipated, really. And I literally sat in front of the TV for that eight hours. Like, cleared the schedule, sat there, and like, brought my computer into the kitchen to make lunch, you know, and just loved every single minute of it. Yeah. So I, I, I'm i just, like, such a huge fan by the whole thing. It's going to be hard to live up to that event again in future years.
1: Well, it will be. You're right. And I echo your sentiments about it. What a great day. And, and I, too, sat and watched all, all day long. So yeah.
0: So breaking down the score, honestly, is a really complicated thing. Um, I'm not criticizing i'm I'm not going to criticize the judges for the score because i think that given the circumstance it was a justified score um you can tease it apart but really what it comes down to is yaden had a nine plus point ride mick had a nine plus point ride um it was in the dying moments the beach erupted all those things are going to influence the score um mick realistically mick earned the world title over the course of the year, period. Now, should he be gifted the score so that he then wins the title? No. But he earned it fair and square. Kelly earned the win of the Pipe Masters fair and square. And I think that the cards fell where, you know, where they should have in in terms of everybody did the work to receive what they they did. Um, But, When it comes down to that specific score, it's such a subjective thing. I went back and watched it multiple times, and I could be convinced that Mick's was half a point better, but I could be convinced that Yaden's was half a point better. So I think that the judges were going to catch hell no matter what they said. If they said, you know, Mick didn't get the score, I think there'd be more hell to catch than if they said Mick did get the score. I think that... um, you know, I think it was a fair score. It's. I can't say it wasn't a fair score. You know what I mean? Yeah, no,
1: you totally nailed it. That's exactly um, my take on it, is that um, you can't... Um, that's the train coming through. You can't... Um, you can't sit there and say, oh, he was overscored with a straight face.
0: No, you know what it was I mean? an amazing wave.
1: And it, we're talking, you know whatever it is, five-tenths of a point or something like that, four-tenths of a point difference. Okay, yeah. It was insane. It was incredible. I'm not arguing the score so much, although I have thrown some things out on Facebook where I thought it was a 9-3. Um, but what bums me out about the situation is that is that from a stance, from a surf fan standpoint, Kelly never got the chance to go to bat. Correct. And that's what bums me out. You know, like, like, let Kelly have a chance to win the world title. And, you you know, you make a good point. Look, he had a chance all year long, you know, right. and so it doesn't, you know, this one event. But I just think from from our perspective, if there was, there, it felt like a little bit of air had been let out of the bag after Mick won the title without Kelly ever either, even entering the water.
0: Yes. Yeah.
1: Now, it could be a blessing in disguise in that, you know, Kelly's response, he, he surfed incredible. He looked far and away the best guy in the water. And, and just ha- and that's the way he always looks at Pipe. like he's just But, but he, he stepped it up a level, and I think it was because he was angry, he was pissed, he felt denied a little bit. And it could be that that's why we're going to get to see him next year on tour. So maybe it was a blessing in disguise for surf fans.
0: Yeah, I felt let down for the same reason you did. But, again, that's when we have to then call into question the structure of the points and the structure of, you know, the final event. You know, I know Rob Machado wrote something on The Inertia, um, just an idea of when it comes down to a two horse title race like that, maybe we should create a scenario where they get the one week waiting period and we pick the best window in that one week pe- or the three best windows for them to serve three different heats, kind of like the Clash of the Legends. You know, and you take the two best scores from each of the three heats and the winner is the guy who has the six best waves at the end.
1: Well, I think that that's an interesting idea and one that needs to be looked at. And even from a more global level, the opening up of ideas like this needs to be looked at by the ASP. I mean, why wouldn't we do something like that? You know, like, in other words, I don't want us to be so sort of entrenched in the way that we've been doing things for 35 plus years that we don't now with the new ASP go, hey, who says we can't wipe the slate clean
0: for these situations and do something unique? Right. I think, honestly... We saw it, we saw it yesterday in pipe where the top level of surfers are so close together. Like, I mean, realistically, I think John, John and Kelly were a notch above, but what I mean is that that top level of surfers, there's going to be a lot of instances when the waves are great like that and they each get their chance, they're going to be posting between a nine point and a 10 point ride. So we're going to see a lot of instances in the future, I think, where the the difference between first and second place is negligible, like it was with Yadin and Mick. Yeah, it's going to be like a swimming, swimming, um, you know, and it a has, race. And,
1: and this, as you know, has happened numerous times. Yeah, I mean, I can remember Jay Bay with Andy and Kelly in 06 or something that, you know, it easily been argued that Andy should have won the heat, sure. won the final, and, and yeah, this has happened. It's happened in Japan. I think it's What's going th- to
0: happen more frequently. As we're narrowing down swell windows and surfing better and better waves where there's potential 10-point rides and the surfers are getting better and better, I think it is going to be like swimming in the Olympics where the difference between first and last is a tenth of a second. But,
1: but see, the difference with that, I mean, you're right. And the sad thing about that is that we're talking the difference, the tenth of a second objectively from timed Correct. or subjectively from judged. And that leads me into the whole, you know is surfing really, truly a sport in the in the real sense of the word where you and I have talked about, look, you've got to score your own points, or I've talked about. Yeah. A real sport, you have to score your own points. There has to be defense. You can't be able to smoke a cigarette, and you can't wear slacks, yeah. you know, like whatever it is. And and so when we get into these subjective sports, it's just, um, you know, in some regards, it makes for great banter for guys like you and I.
0: Yeah. And we'll never-ending talk and
1: discussion about it, but...
0: Um, But the the banter should have a conclusion. That's why we're bantering. And I think that, again, pointing these things out, we're like, hey, look, it's getting to be a lot more closer. So we're going to need to figure out a new way to judge this. Or maybe a new, maybe it's not a 10-point scale any longer, you know, and we adjust that because it's just going to get tighter and tighter and tighter. And those little subjective differences between Mick's wave and Yadin's wave are going to be harder to tease apart in the future.
1: Speaking of Yaden, he's the guy that's sort of left out of this conversation a little bit. I've noticed on the internet, you know, he's really got ripped off. I mean, it, if you think that Mick was overscored, then you've got to say to yourself, Yaden needed to win the event. He certainly looked like he could win the event. He, he was, he, he's the only guy in yesterday's proceedings that didn't get sort of kudos at the end. You know what I right. mean? Um, you know, John John got his, Kelly got his, Mick got his. And Yaden sort of just got left behind, and it's sort of a bummer. I mean, it's, it is what it is, but for a guy who surfed so spectacularly, for an underdog to just, uh, and maybe underdog's not the right term for him because he surfed great last year in this event, but, um, you know, a little bit disappointing. You know, I, I'm sure that there's, you know, a sour taste in his mouth after what went down because he surfed so great.
0: So I was thinking about an interesting scenario. Um, think about if they were, if Mick and Yaden were in opposite roles in that heat. Meaning that Mick got two sick lefts and posted the scores that Yaden posted, and Yaden got the one backdoor right with a 7-3-3 and then was left at the end needing the score that Mick needed. If Yaden got that big roll-in wave, got that exact tube ride, and that we were waiting upon a score to determine whether or not Mick would advance to receive the world title, I don't think that they would have given Yaden the score. I think they would have, you know underscored Yaden, Mick would advance through the heat and the world title would um, would be that Mick would receive the world title. I just don't I think that um, all the hype and the energy and all the beach screaming and all that kind of stuff plays into the score line, you know. Yeah And with Mick, it's kind of like, well, it, he deserved it up until this point. I think Yaden would have had to work harder to get that same score, basically, is what I'm saying.
1: Let me ask you this: They brought in the head judge Richie Porta into yeah. the into the uh, into the booth there and had him kind of explain the the, the breakdown of the score on mixed ride. Do you think that that was good for the ASP or bad for the ASP?
0: Well, it's. I mean, in- did it?
1: You know what I'm saying? Yes, like, did I it do. Discredit? Did he have to go in there and sort of back up what they came up with? Like, or did that make it seem like, hey, man? You made the decision. Why do you even need to come in here and explain yourself?
0: So what's interesting is that we actually brought that up a couple of months ago or contests ago that when there's controversial stuff like that, they need to address it openly. And so I think it did... I was glad to see it, and I think it was wise of them to do that because you can't ignore all the commentary that's taking place outside of the webcast, so they have to address it. But I don't think Richie addressed it. Richie went in there, and he explained what happened on Yaden's wave and he explained what happened on mix wave, but he never explained why they thought mix was better. He just explained the differences. And then Shane actually asked a couple questions about it. Shane was like, well, do you feel like I, I don't even remember, but I, he kind of tried to pinpoint a few things and then Richie kind of skirted around that as well. So I'm glad that they had Richie come in and address it. I just don't feel like he articulated very well how they justified the and, score. And
1: perhaps that's exactly what they wanted. You know, they Maybe. said, look, you're going to go in there and this is what you're going to say, nothing and say a lot of it, you know, which yeah. is what he did, which is really kind of like PR 101, you know, yeah, stop the bleeding and don't say anything, you know. Yeah.
0: Um. When you're hiring for a small business, you want to find quality professionals that are right for the role. And there's no faster or effective way than through LinkedIn jobs. Go to com now. That's L so, I B S Y N ads.com. Can I? I'd like to talk about Mick's performance. Yeah. I think go, starting off the day, realistically, Mick needed four waves to win the world title. He got two waves that won him the world title. Um, I think throughout the whole season, we saw Mick with extreme focus going into each heat and posting two sevens, and then building on that and getting an eight, and then getting a nine, and just methodically every single heat charging through that way. He did not do that in this event at all. He went out there, he went out there, and he floundered, and really, he faltered. Like, he took off on a bunch of closeouts. In the first heat with CJ, there was scoring potential, and there were tens to be had. And I remember he was out of position, taking off late, into closeouts, and I remember seeing a lot of those waves thinking... If Kelly was in this heat, he would have found a 10 out there. John John would have found a score out there. Mick is just faltering right now, and he's leaving the door open for CJ. And CJ didn't slam the door shut, so it's like CJ's kind of leaving the door open for Mick. Mick gets the roll in. He deserved the score in that in that first heat, undoubtedly, and he won that heat fair and square. Then when I watched him in the quarterfinal heat against Yadin, I felt the exact same way. He took eight. Or maybe five serious wipeouts of closeouts on waves that they weren't makeable from where he was dropping in, but if he was in better positioning, he could have made them, you know? And so it's like, dude, had John John been in that heat, I feel like John John would have put together an 18 point total. So Mick, the focus that we saw all season long, he really didn't deliver at Big Pipeline. He didn't um, have a
1: great surfing day in that regard. I mean, no, he got two he waves. Sur- he surfed desperate. Yeah, it seemed like he was like that guy that was trying to protect the lead. Right. You know, instead of going out and being aggressively, you know, although he surfed aggressive, I mean, but maybe too aggressive, right? He
0: was taking horrible waves. But again, if he had gotten the two waves Yadin got, guaranteed they would have given the heat to Mick. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like those two waves were enough. Like those two waves were amazing. And if Mick got those, they would have given the heat to him, no question. Yeah. so I just thought that was interesting that Mick kind of did falter on the final day. But again, I think realistically in the big picture, he did what he needed to do to earn the world title this year. Yeah. So kudos to Mick. I think, again, Mick did what – or uh, Kelly did what he needed to do to win the Pipe Masters this year. So kudos to him.
1: Well, you know, speaking on subjectivity of the, of the judging criteria, um, they mentioned it in the broadcast, which was a great point, which was um, – If Mick had lost to Yaden and we had this John John Kelly final, and we had this last wave that John John caught to maybe beat Kelly, what do you think the score for John John's wave would have been? You remember the backdoor wave that John John, I think he got like a 7-5 or something, or he needed a 7-8 and he got a 7-5. It just barely wasn't enough. Yeah. Do you think if if him beating Kelly meant Mick would win the 12th world title that we would have seen a different score on that wave, or am I reaching?
0: I really don't know. I I really shudder to think of that scenario because if the judges <laughs> caught hell over the other one, yeah, that would have been even more intense. I don't know that all the other variables along the way would have played out the exact same way, you know? John John would have surfed differently, Kelly would have certainly surfed differently with, with the world title on the line. I think some of the great surfing we saw from Kelly in the semifinal was and the quarter was because all the pressure was off at that point. He was releasing a bit of aggression. Yeah. Which was awesome to see. Yeah, it was. You know? What um,
1: about um, the... Uh, what about the... Uh, oh, God, I had a great topic and I wanted to... I lost it.
0: Okay. Go ahead. Um, I think... John. I expected John John Florence. Actually, in our last show, I made predictions, and it went almost within a point of what I predicted, really. I think... That it was going to be a kelly and john john final and i was expecting john john to actually win the final um what i liked about john john this year that we've never seen before and as a sign of what's to come is getting that 10-point barrel ride and then a big finishing maneuver there was a backside kind of kick that john john did when he came out of a barrel did like this big kicking backside reverse off the lip yeah that was arguably one of the best turns we saw all year long on tour he was going full speed he did it so quickly and landed it buttery like no flaw at all to the landing or or stutter and the angle that they kept replaying was kind of down the beach looking into the barrel in slow-mo and it doesn't do it justice i saw another angle that was straight on looking at it at regular speed and it's unbelievable he comes out of the pipe barrel bottom turns with all the speed and just boom kicks this thing and lands it within a fraction of a second it's like holy crap that was insane yeah. i've never seen kelly do it never seen mick do it never seen anybody else do it yeah like i want to see more of that
1: yeah for sure he's he's incredible and you're right that was an insane little well big move that he Pulled off there at the end of that ride. Did, um, did you
0: see the wave that he got in the warm-up session did, in the yeah, morning? Yeah. It was a big barrel to a rodeo flip. Did, yeah. That he almost landed but didn't quite. Yeah. That's the same thing where I I actually I told a friend as I was watching um, right before the final started. Kelly, I feel Kelly talks about peaking. He invented the conversation about peaking, you know, and I feel like we just saw Kelly peak in the semifinal. He was throwing away nines and um going into the final i don't feel like john john's clicked into that fifth gear yet you know he looks casual we know he can do a rodeo out there i'm expecting john john to get the 10 point barrel ride and finish with a big rodeo or a big rotator or something like that unfortunately i don't think john john got the waves that allowed that the back door right that you were talking about at the end of the heat i was thinking here it comes he got a barrel that is questionable for the score, he's going to finish this thing off with something crazy, but it ended up going into dry reef, kind of foamy, soup finnit on the waves, so he never really got the opportunity and he kicked out. But I do think that's what's to come in next year, and Gabriel proved it in earlier rounds that he's capable of it too.
1: Yeah, um, you almost too get the feeling that if there had been more waves at that beginning of that heat in the finals there wasn't so dry and lacking of surf that um, John John had more opportunities to do those things that you mentioned. It it might have turned out different, and it may have played into Kelly's favor, that that it was sort of soft there for the first half of the heat. Totally, I know what I was going to ask you about. It seemed to me that um, from the production of the broadcast, the webcast, It seemed to me that there was way too many live waves ridden that we didn't get to see live, that you heard the scream on the beach because they were either doing an interview with GT or they were doing something, it always seemed to me that when GT was talking to somebody about something that really didn't matter too much, that we were missing live action. On more than three or four occasions, I I heard the beach roar, frustrated the crap out of me and who's ever producing that thing needs to pull the plug on GT and go to a live shot.
0: And Kelly's 10. Was during that happened with Kelly's ten the same thing, where you hear the beach erupt and then they go replay it and you see the ten pop up.
1: That's horrible. I it, think it's, it's unacceptable. That's why I'm watching
0: it because it's yeah. live.
1: I, if I'm you know I'll do a heat analyzer and skip GT's interviews and I could skip those anyway. Right. I think everybody feels the same
0: way. Though. No, it was unbelievably frustrating. And the weird thing is, is they have the ability to do the, the inset image. Of the live feed, because they do that sometimes. Yeah, A little box pops up in the bottom right corner, and it's the live feed while they're doing the interview. So I don't know why they just don't do that all the time.
1: I mean, they could even just do a full full screen of the live action and right. have him talking underneath it. We don't yeah. need to see him talking. Yeah. And I think that's going to change. That,
0: well, it, it guaranteed it has to, because that was a huge failure on their part. Yeah. Especially to miss the 10. You know what I mean? Yeah, that was a bummer. You
1: know, I want to give a shout out to Mono, though, who, who produces the webcast. Those guys bust their ass. And we're just giving some constructive criticism. I, I reached out to those guys um, asking for some stats, you know, between CJ and Mick prior to the event. And um, Al Hunt and Dave Proden and uh, Mono uh, got their act together. Uh, and sent me that information when they didn't need to. I mean, they were busy. Like, the last thing they needed to do was worry about me asking them for a stat on CJ and Mick. So, um, overall, you know, a successful day. I know those guys were under a lot of pressure. and um, Except for that one thing we just talked about. It was pretty spectacular from a production standpoint. Shane Dorian does a really good job. Really pleased
0: with Shane Dorian in the booth. So, they, ta- they said, I think... Um... Stansfield said that they had 10 million, or Randy Rarick I think said they had 10 million viewers worldwide uh, watching the, the live stream. That's amazing. Yeah, and I absolutely believe it. Do you? Yeah. And quarter of a million on Time Warner Cable, cable in uh, Hawaii? Uh,
1: yeah, I mean it was, it was like there was so much pre-hype about this, you know, yeah. and the waves were so big that you know, like you know, my wife and children and I it was like we were watching Final Day of the Masters on Sunday or mm-hmm. something at Augusta. You know, it was a big, it was definitely a must-watch TV. And there's easily there's a lot of surfers on this globe. You know, between Brazil, Japan, the United States, North America, uh, that's, haven't even touched Europe. You know? Right. Like, there's a ton of surfers out there, and so 10 million. Uh, Log ons doesn't surprise me. Yeah, I was kind of surprised to hear that. It could be that number's over the course of the event, not maybe. just, you know, I don't know. Yeah, you know, maybe. But you know how statistics are. You can kind of skew them to make you look good no matter what.
0: Yeah, I think it was um, Benjamin Franklin's quote there's lies, there's damn lies, and then there's statistics. <laughs> you know what I mean? That's a good one. I haven't yeah. heard
1: that one. I like that one.
0: Yeah, poor Richard's Almanac. Um, yeah, and the beach, too, was, was packed. You know, yeah. I mean, I've never seen the beach at Pipe that crowded. Yeah. I didn't know that the roads accommodate for it, you know?
1: I don't think they do. I mean, I'm sure it was hell driving around the North Shore yesterday.
0: Yeah, totally. Um, so uh, what do you think moving forward for 2014? Um, I, I can't imagine where this goes from here. Like, this was such an in, in pinnacle, you know, such a buildup and such a delivery that um, they almost
1: need two or three months to just kind of chill out and build everyone's uh, excitement up again yeah yeah Um, it's gonna be a fun season I'm just glad that Kelly's re you know committed
0: to one more year on tour I was glad to hear him ad- admit that because so often in those interviews, everybody just kind of says the polite PC thing. Yeah. It was nice to hear him just say what he felt, you yeah. know, and
1: not hold back. Yeah. That was awesome. Well, he's the greatest. I mean, he not only is he the greatest surfer, he's the greatest speaker that the surf tour has. I mean, he, he speaks from his heart, but he's very intelligent. I mean, he, he's just... Uh, He is a true champion, you know, and it doesn't matter if it's the sport of surfing, it could be any sport. Any sport would love to have
0: a character of integrity like Kelly Slater representing their sport. I agree. No, he's a gift. I I felt when they were doing the the awards ceremony and they talked to John John about winning the Triple Crown, I was like, all right, more just bland. John John saying the polite thing. They give the mic to Mick and I'm like, all right, whatever, doesn't say anything interesting at all. But I was found myself waiting. The only reason I was even watching it was to hear what Kelly was gonna say, you know, and, and he delivered. Yeah. So he's he's a great great representative for sure.
1: He's good that way. Now the ASP sent out the new thirty two or thirty four, is it? Top thirty two, top thirty four. Did yeah. you get that email?
0: No, I didn't, but I looked at the stats on the website. And um, it's
1: I don't have it in front of me, but um Yeah.
0: Yeah, Dion Atkinson.
1: Oh yeah, He's on there. Okay,
0: Sippo is uh, thirty-two spot, the last spot. He was gonna get bumped out if Yadin won the final. Yadin would have quali- requalified yeah. and bumped Sippo off, but Sippo stayed on barely. And then Mitch Colburn was in qualifying position going into Hawaii, and then got bumped off because of the shuffling. So Mitch oh. Colburn's bummed. He's oh. sitting in thirty-third. Ah, oh, sure. But I think like with last year, we saw some of the some of those guys get. Entries into the event because of injuries, so Mitch Colburn probably will see him this year. I have a feeling yeah so well, what
1: else do you got for us anything i'm i'm uh, I mean it was just a great day, right oh my gosh it's, like dude. I said it's i it, hate I hate to just say the same old same old everyone knows it was an incredible day of surfing
0: going into the day um I anticipated Mick quali- or uh qualifying or winning the world title by making the semis i figured that he would probably beat cj and probably beat yaden um but i also anticipated that there was no way that he could beat john john at that point because just that was
1: obvious and it came true right
0: well in terms of ability you got to favor john john but also been deflated dude yeah just the adrenaline dump and the um endorphin rush of the world title like how your body's chemistry alone is so different that Mick's strength throughout the season is his focus. How do you maintain focus Focus after that type of chemistry you know change altering so kind of saw that thing coming which made it a nice and easy road for John John yeah so to speak. Um,
1: Well Kelly Slater is incredible I mean that's that's really the takeaway from this I mean he just surfed insane yeah just so far above everybody it was it was incredible
0: i thought john john was on par with him actually just in terms of comfort they look like they're toying with it it looks like a video game to them almost where you see the wave coming as the viewer and you're like well they're clearly making that one before they even stand up how late can they make the drop how deep can they get and how stylishly can they get spit out of this thing and inevitably they delivered nine times out of ten. Whereas guys like Mick or Yaden, you're wondering if they're gonna make the drop. Yeah. You know? Yeah. John, John and Kelly, you're just like, how much flair can they add to the drop and everything else? Yeah. Good. So, point. good. What point. about Kelly um showing some of that enthusiasm by claiming waves? that was kind of unusual to see I mean he did a cloud break I guess a little bit but he was claiming a man you know
1: I think when the crowds are there I think that helps you know that sort of stirs them up to claim a little bit when the crowds screaming and you're coming out and they're screaming you're just screaming with them you know yeah. you, you just end up screaming and it turns into a claim you know
0: <laughs> yeah yeah what are your thoughts not to backtrack to the beginning of the conversation but what are your thoughts on kinda of Mick taking those roll in waves and how do you score those differently than, you know, knifing into a drop?
1: That's a great point, you know, and a great a great question, I guess I should say, because um, I like the roll-ins, you know, and I mean, and I think the surfers do too. But, like, if, if you're asking me, you know, which is more critical, obviously the late crazy drop on the first reef is more critical. But I, I really did love that fading bottom turn he did when he rolled in and mm-hmm. kind of almost went right for half a, half a rail and then came back around to do the bottom turn, I, I just... I think it's neat, and it sets up for the ultra-deep first reef run that, that you see, you know. And so I'm a big fan of it. You know, how do you judge it? I don't know. I'll leave it to the judges, you know. That there were some crazy—I think CJ had one of the most mental late drops ever. And
0: Yeah, but he also didn't get that barreled, you know. Yeah. Like, he he did—it was a super late drop, and it was under the lip, and it was diagonal. And when he landed kind of at the bottom, he was— still under the lip, but then just kind of angled out of it at that point because it was a closeout. Yeah. So it was sick and I, n- yeah. I could never pull that off, but it yeah. wasn't a deep, radical barrel. Yeah, off.
1: that's the thing, huh, about the roll-ins on the second reef, is that you get time to kind of set yourself up and go, okay, hey,
0: whoosh, here we go, Whoom, you know, yeah. I don't know. I think in the old days, single fin, lightning bolt days, or even the Derek Ho days, they would get those roll-ins and just pick a straight line and just drive towards the end of the barrel in that straight line. Mick surfed the wave a little bit more. Mick did that fade to the right, but he also drove hard off the bottom and almost did a kick stall. Yeah, he in the, stopped kind of, didn't he? Kind of, yeah. or almost like a snap stall a little bit, and then positioned into that straight line. So I like that he actually surfed those waves rather than rolling in casually and then just standing there you know it was like roll in drive off the bottom into the top of the wave and then rifle down the the face yeah you know? so yeah. i think he surfed those waves as good as you could have surfed them for sure so yeah exciting stuff man
1: yeah good show um good show on saturday i mean you know good show all dude, day saturday best Yesterday, show
0: ever. that was yesterday yesterday dude <laughs> twitter feed text messaging was just blowing up <laughs> It was it crazy. Was, uh, it was yeah. good stuff. And, crazy. Yeah, it looks like there might be
1: um, a big swell here for them next Thursday or yeah, so. Yeah, how's
0: that eddy swell looking at this point?
1: I don't, they're saying it's not going to be an eddy swell, but it'll be a big, big west swell and um, it'll be like an outer reef swell for a day and then really, really good
0: pipeline. Sweet. Yeah. See Jamie O. out there this time.
1: Yeah, Jamie O. He, he's the one guy missing from the, the puzzle this year, huh? Jamie Yeah. O'Brien.
0: Yeah, that could have upset a few scenarios. Awesome, dude. Yeah. Anything else? Um, not about the pipe event. Like you said, I think it's all been said. Um, I think the the consensus with the internet commentary is that Yaden got got ripped off. You know, I I don't necessarily agree with that. I think. Maybe if you dissect those two scores, maybe he got ripped off a little bit, but Mick deserved the world title, and he surfed great, and it's hard to take anything away from him. Yeah,
1: it was just too close to make an argument any other way than, you know what, it, you, could, you could have called it either way. I mean, that's how close it was. And when it's that close, you know, sometimes you got to knock the champ out on the ground. You just can't beat you can him off points. You right, know? absolutely.
0: So... Cool, dude, so right. um, what's next for us and uh, and the podcast? we meeting back in 2014 after Christmas. Yeah, is that
1: what you want to do? You want to wait?
0: <laughs> wait a um, little bit? Well, I don't have a need to wait, but I just feel like scheduling is going to prevent us from getting together.
1: Yeah, yeah. Um, well, let's play by ear. Maybe we can do something next week. I don't know.
0: Okay, cool. Yeah, I'm open. I mean, I'm not going anywhere. So. Yeah, neither am I. So for the listeners, you know, maybe we'll get back before Christmas and um, – Maybe just after Christmas.
1: Yeah, and um, you can reach me, surftalksandiego at gmail.com. If you want to go to the blog, it's radio.com.
0: And then me, David, um, obviously my website is surfsplendorpodcast.com and the email is hello at surfsplendorpodcast. And then of course on social media at surfsplendor is where you'll find us on Instagram and Twitter.
1: Cool, man. Well, um, till next time. Adios and Aloha.
0: Correction, the quote about statistics is actually credited to Mark Twain, not Benjamin Franklin's Poor Richard's Almanac. And one final note about the 2013 Pipe Masters. Tom Curran's mystical connection with the ocean has been something that Kelly Slater has often commented about. A wide variety of people have compared Kelly to Tom in this regard webcasters often joke that the clouds seem to part and rays of light beam down whenever Kelly paddles out for his heats I once heard Dane Reynolds share a story of a boat trip in Indonesia where Dane and the crew were surfing a peak for an hour or so Kelly eventually paddled out he paddled a hundred yards up the point past everyone to a spot where nobody had even seen a single wave break within minutes of sitting there the best wave of the day came right to Kelly He got barreled all the way down the point. In the episode we did with Sean Thompson, Sean discussed watching Kelly and Andy's final at J-Bay in 2005. With a minute left and Kelly needing a score, the crowd was shocked to see Kelly let two good set waves pass. In the dying moments, he spun around on a third wave, surfed it brilliantly, and got a high nine to win the event. Kelly later revealed to Sean that two dolphins had emerged in the lineup as the set approached. Kelly had an instinct to follow the dolphins past the first two waves, which is where he found the third and best wave. Kelly is admittedly mystic, spiritual, philosophical. I'm not sure how Kelly would really define his belief system, but I've heard him discuss a connectedness of all things. I read a number of writings leading up to the Pipe Masters that began to paint an eerie premonition about the day's events, and so I wanted to share a few of them with you now. In an article for Surfline entitled, The Slater Prophecy, Jason Bort recounts the process of writing Slater's biography, Pipe Dreams. It was December 2003. They had just finished writing the book, and the two were sitting on the deck of Kelly's house near Pipeline. Jason asked Kelly, Where do you see yourself in 10 years? Kelly looked towards the ocean and sees an 11-year-old John John Florence exiting the water and he says, well, I see myself surfing in the final of the Pipe Masters against John John. He and Jason both laughed it off. The thought of Kelly still competing at that level at age 41 was a stretch in and of itself. Sean Doherty wrote a piece for SurferMag.com about calling Kelly in Los Angeles a month ago to discuss the world title race. As Sean delivered the first question to Kelly, the moment he mentioned Mick's name, Kelly interrupted with a startled, Whoa, and continued with, That's so weird. Literally, right as you said Mick's name, I just saw the biggest shooting star I've ever seen in my life. Literally, as you asked the question, I thought it was a firework. It was so bright. That was crazy, unquote. The incident was so significant that the local news reported on the shooting star and Kelly later sent an image to Sean as proof. Lastly, on Friday, the day before the finals of the Pipe Masters, Kelly spent the day on the golf course. His friend, Elaine Ryu, found a golf ball in the rough. He picked it up, smirked, and tossed it over to Kelly. Kelly inspected the ball and found the brand name and a number victory 12. It was also on the 12th hole. Ultimately, Kelly did not win his 12th world title the following day. Mick won his third. And he did not simply win it with a 9.7 over nickel. He won it with consistently excellent surfing over the past 11 months. What do these three stories mean for Kelly? I really don't know. But what I do know is that Kelly acknowledged John John ten years ago when he was answering Jason Board's cliched question. He acknowledged the shooting star, and about the golf ball, Kelly said, I'm not superstitious, but this one freaked me out a little. Took me a couple days to process. Even golf is spiritual." Unquote. I, David Scales, can't help but feel as though there really is a larger storyline here. There is a script being played out that we're not privy to, but it seems as though we may have just hit a significant plot point on Saturday. The agony and the ecstasy that we witnessed on Saturday are not finalities. They are catalysts of change. They are deeply and powerfully motivating traumas that will undoubtedly propel tremendous things to come. The last time Kelly lost consecutive world titles, he returned. To win five more. Thanks for listening to today's episode of Surf Splendor. This is David Scales saying, until next time, aloha.